Welcome to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. Welcome to episode 70. I'm Rocco, and joining me this week, we have Ryan, Zeb, Michael, plus one. So this is Destination Linux, and today we have with us Sean Davis of Zubuntu. Welcome, Sean. Yeah. Hey, everybody. So you are, you've been on the show before, but for those of you that, for those out there that don't know, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I am an XFCE and Zubuntu developer, um, technical lead for Zubuntu, core dev for XFCE. Um, but yeah, that, that's me in a nutshell. All right. So um, there was a huge announcement, and I know that you were waiting with bated breath after the last show that Ryan sent me <laughs> that, which is the... Yeah, which is a what we call uh, gnome gnome, the gnome gnome trader, right? And he loves XFCE, so I just wanted you to know that he has arrived. He's here. <laughs> He's in every episode. Just saying. I'm glad. It makes me happy. <laughs> All right, getting right into it. Stop with the silliness. All right. So, 1804 is released, obviously, and there are a lot of fans out there for Zubuntu. So can you tell us um, if you've received what feedback you've received and is it what you expected? Um, I've kind of been shocked. Um, I've seen a lot of really positive feedback. I went, I went on YouTube, kind of looked up reviews. Everybody's talking good about Zubuntu, which is probably good that we hit all the bad stuff. As far as I can tell, everybody's pretty happy with the release. There's been a few bug reports after the release. We're going to be taking care of those shortly, but otherwise I think it's looking pretty good. I mean, the comments have been overwhelmingly positive. In fact, I, when I did a review, the comments were incredibly positive. The feedback from the community talking about how much they love it, how stable it is, how things are working so well within it. I mean, I think it's just it's obvious that you have put a ton of work into making sure that it was a completely solid release. And that's got to feel good to finally have a YouTube <laughs> community surround and, and be, uh, enjoy the work that you're doing, <laughs> supporting it. Yeah, because so many times, even if you have a good product, sometimes thing, you know, people will find one thing and then it kind of spins off out of control. But yeah, like there's like four pixels out of place or something. Yeah, yeah, Rocco, like four pixels out of place. <laughs> I might have done said that before, but, you know, well, so people think that because uh, XFCE didn't have a release that, you know, it's just you know, no work involved in doing 1804. And that's just simply not the case. So right. there's a ton yeah. of work involved. So speaking of all that work that's gone on, one of the things I was curious about, even when I was looking through Zubuntu and, and, you know, I'm a fanboy, so I fell in love. Right of course. Away. But um, <laughs> what are some of the things behind the scenes that someone like myself may not have seen that you guys did that would improve the performance or overall look and feel or bug fixes that don't get talked about in videos, but is stuff that you guys worked hard on. Right. Um, I think a lot of people are going to miss the, uh, the new pulse audio, uh, sound menu that we have. Um, cause just on our first glance, it looks like nothing's changed until you click on it and you realize, Oh, this is a lot different. Um, and I think that's really awesome. There's been a lot of improvements for Bluetooth. Um, so now you can 
uh, Bluetooth headphones will pair automatically with ATDP um, and Bluetooth game controllers will work out of the box as well. Nice. Um, so a lot of hardware improvements like that. Um, Numlock is automatically enabled if, if you're on a desktop or a laptop with the keyboard plugged in. So it's a, it's a lot of things that just kind of make everything a little bit better and, you know, you don't have to configure anything out of the box anymore. Nice. That's always a good thing. It's the, that Numlock thing is such a small thing that is so irritating. Yes. I, I'm, I'm like, every time I, I install a distro that has that numlock off, it's just like, come why? Well, yeah. Who uses the arrows like that? <laughs> but people don't realize how important defaults are. You know, mm -hmm. like it's it, people say, oh, well, you know, you can change this in Linux and you can change that. And yeah, you're right. But the defaults, if there are good defaults, it can make or break a di uh, distribution or if they're yeah. bad. So there's also yeah. cases where even people who know how to change it don't want to. So why make them? Right. Right. <laughs> well, well the Bluetooth thing, it's interesting because I do a lot of hardware reviews as well. And when I do a review and I'm like, yeah, the Bluetooth devices work perfect and whatever the, you know, the distro I'm running. And then someone comes on and says, well, I tried them in this version of Linux and I can't get them to work at all. And so you've got all these inconsistencies with different devices and things, which is not good. But what mm. kind of work goes into making the Bluetooth work better? Because isn't part of that just how the kernel engages it? Are you guys writing software on top of the kernel so that it searches longer? Or what is some of the work that goes into that? Um, well, thankfully, um, most of that work's been done by the Ubuntu team. Because, um, you know, they, in the past two cycles, they've worked really hard on getting Bluetooth audio working really well and getting devices, you know, connecting correctly and everything. Nice. Um, and then we brought in, there, there's some additional packages included as well, which, you know, make Bluetooth's pulse audio integration work correctly without any additional configuration. That's been a big pain in the past. Oh, um, yeah. So just kind of all of that coming together in this release, it's kind of a big deal, I think. It, it's really useful. I agree. Any any time there's an improvement to fix something in Pulse Audio, it's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> right. In fact, if you could take over the Pulse Audio project, Sean, that would be <laughs> that would be music to our ears because uh, we we struggle with that quite a bit. I think I, think I will pass on that. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. So with all this um, like development work and you're rushing towards a headline, I mean, we get pretty excited in the the Linux community when a new LTS comes out, but. Um, you know, being as a Ubuntu technical lead and a Ubuntu member, what's the environment like in, in the back office? You're part of the inner crowd. So what's the, is there tension? Is there nervousnesses? You just want to get it over? What's the environment like right before that release? Um, it's kind of stressful. So at the beginning of the release, you know, everything kind of rolls in. And, you know, we start getting updates like GCC and a lot of those early updates in the cycle. Um, and there's not a whole lot of testing going on, but the, th the further you go into the release, the more people are picking it up, trying it out, reporting bugs. Um, towards the end, you know, I'm just, I'm getting bug reports, I'm getting emails, I'm getting uh, pinged on IRC, <laughs> people message me on Twitter, and it gets really hectic those, those last couple of weeks while we try to wrap everything up. So what the, I heard that in, there, there was a situation of like the last day of the 1804 release where they had to, everyone had to rebuild new ISOs and also had to test everything. Um, is that, is, does that, was, is that, was that accurate to what I was heard? And um, how did you, did, did it affect as Ubuntu much in that situation? Um, I think they landed a, a, a brand new kernel like here in the last few days, um, mm. which made kind of a big difference. And they were tweaking ubiquity towards the end as well, which is the installer application. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Great time for which, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
which you know for our desktop Ubuntu, you know everything ended up working there. But um, we actually have a minimal Ubuntu called Ubuntu Core. Um, right. Those ubiquity, ubiquity changes actually broke that, so we actually got that fixed. Um, I think just in the last two days, so the new Core ISOs are out. So are the core ISOs are, are is Ubuntu going to be using the minimal installation structure that they that Ubuntu started, or are you going to keep the core approach? Um, we might be looking into that this cycle. Um, the reality is we've kind of got like a small team. Um, right. Didn't really get a whole lot of mention of it throughout the cycle, and then towards the end or at the end when I saw everybody had a minimal except for us, it was kind of shocking. <laughs> yeah, and also um, it's kind of like you already like Ubuntu was the first one to do that anyway. So right. So. Um, didn't, but the current status of the of the core ISO is that it's not like completely official. Like you know, we've got in our release notes and everything, but it's not part of the standard CD image, and you won't find it on the normal mirrors. And we're looking to fix that this cycle with eighteen ten. Nice. All right. So the multi monitor support is a big deal, and yeah. this is something that I've had trouble with Ubuntu in the past, and you guys have done a lot of work on it. And I'm happy to say that when I did my initial testing on Zubuntu 18.04, that it did fix most of the issues that I had, including Rocket League showing up on the wrong screen. Yeah. Yes. Sweet. I love it. So what what all the work did you put into it to fix all that? Um, thankfully, I didn't have to do a whole lot for that. A couple other people on the team did. Um so Simon, one of the XFCE guys, one of the Ubuntu guys as well, um, kind of worked on fixing the code for that in settings. There's a lot of uh, detection code for the monitors for like detecting, you know, figuring out their positions and if they're mirrored and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of redundant code. And because of that, a lot of it wasn't lining up. So there was various scenarios where one thing would think that it's mirrored and another one wouldn't. And it was it's causing a lot of issues. Well, I did um, notice that, that some programs came up on the right screen and then other programs didn't. And it was it was a little bit frustrating, but like I said, I'm I'm happy to say that uh, it is working now. So, so how did you guys find those type of issues to go in and fix? Is that something where generally you're just looking through the code yourself and you're seeing some redundancy there, or is it people reporting those through bug reports and you get enough of them and say, okay, we need to look in to see what might be causing this? Yeah, I, I think it's the latter. So we, we get various, you know, multi-monitor bugs and some of them sound similar or they sound the same, but they're not the same. I, I think Simon kind of got fed up with that and just dug in there and figured out where the issues were. <laughs> it's got to be so hard to reproduce this stuff because of you've got so much different hardware. Like Rocco was saying, he had this issue in previous Ubuntu's. Yep. I had multiple monitors, never had the issue. Mm-hmm. it's just it's and then you guys are out there getting these bug reports trying to figure out well is this a real problem is this a hardware issue is it somebody's cable that's causing the problem like mm-hmm. that's got to be so difficult did you turn another, it on and off again did you turn it on <laughs> <and> <laughs> <off>? <laughs> well there was a bug with that too funnily enough um so certain tvs will send different signals when they're connected to a computer when you turn them off or if they go into standby or whatever um and there was a long running bug in xfce where some TVs would kind of prematurely send that uh, shutdown signal or whatever, and XFC would be like, okay, yep, okay, I'm not using this monitor anymore. It would just cut it off and remove the settings effectively. Wow. Um, and that was yeah. also fixed um, here recently, so that's probably also contributing to better multi-monitor support. Nice. That's awesome. So on top of multi-monitor support, you also added better high DPI support. Now, this is becoming more and more of a thing as the prices of these high DPI monitors are 
coming down tremendously. So more people are getting hold of them. And additionally, I mean, from what Zeb's told me, because I don't have a high DPI monitor, when it doesn't have that support, your icons turn into little tiny specks, right, Zeb? And then your mm -hmm. mouth is super tiny and obviously it's pretty hard to use it. So this one, you've had high DPI support before, but there were enhancements that were made. Can you talk a little bit about those? So what you'll find in 1804 is um, XFCE settings 412, which currently doesn't have a whole lot of the high DPI support uh, fixes in it. Um, but we do have some improvements inside the theming where things that are supported by GTK and you know for its automatic scaling will look a lot better now. So for folks that are using 1804 and don't want to install any software, usually you can go into the appearance settings and just bump the DPI up and that will get you most of the way and make the system usable again. Mm -hmm. uh, nice. If you want better support, we do have a, a Ubuntu developer PPA with the 4.13 XFCE settings, um, which does have window scaling. So you can actually increase everything and supposedly have better high DPI support. I don't have a monitor to test it with currently. How stable uh, is it to use that developer version? Is it something that breaks often because you guys are in there messing with it or is it generally pretty stable? It's pretty stable. Um, a lot of us will, you know, sometimes there'll be a bug and we'll try to reproduce it and we're like, okay, well, we can't reproduce it. And we'll dig into it we're like, oh, we're, we're running that PPA right now. We're running the whole developer stack. We didn't know that because there's not been any issues. Right. Um, it's pretty stable as a rock, um, which is good news for when we go to, you know, 414. Mm -hmm. Well, that's got to be hard for you specifically because you don't have a lot of people on the team and you said you don't have a high DPI monitor. We were talking to Martin Wimpress and he was saying for the longest time that he was the only one on the team that had a high DPI monitor. So any of the changes or anything he had to actually physically test out because nobody mm -hmm. else had one. So that's got to be a tough thing. Well, then he had the conspiracy theory that potentially his other team members didn't buy one until he fixed all the problems. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I can see that. Yeah. It's pretty smart. So Simon, uh, sorry, Sean, now you've got um, Zubuntu 18.04 out of the way. Um, and you mentioned just now that uh, the XFCE 4.12 settings are still predominantly in there. Mm -hmm. You're probably getting fed up with the next question, but how's, how's 4.14 coming along and when can we, um, expect it? What's the timetable looking like? Well, the tentative date is soon. <laughs> That's a Michael Tunnell answer, Sean. I like it. I like it. Um, so a lot. So, okay. So XFCE 414. Um, so right now, most of the core components and panel plugins have been ported to GTK3 and all the new libraries. We're fixing bugs and, and things are rolling along rather well. Mm -hmm. um, several of the development libraries are now at a stable or near stable state and applications like Thunar are about to release their first stable GTK3 release. Nice. So I am of the opinion that we are not far off. Um, I don't know if we're going to see it maybe towards the end of this year or early next year, but I think we're, we're right around the corner from it. Excellent. Very nice. Yeah, also something really nice that I like about it, about the, uh, the Zubuntu, is um, there's the do not dis disturb uh, functionality that you added. And so, this is something that I, I, especially as people who do podcasting and production stuff, the, yes. the, if you're screen capturing and something pops up in your face, it is probably the most frustrating thing that could possibly oh, yeah. happen. 
And so I, I just, uh, I was just wondering, so is that like a, a, a requested feature by the community or just something that y'all kind of like just noticed that it needed to be done? So I think there's, there's a couple of parts to it. I, I think one of our developers was kind of interested in adding features like this. Um, and recently uh, elementary added something like this to their desktop. Yep. So kind of wanting that for a while and then seeing that implemented and seeing it implemented well, you know, our developer just kind of picked up on that went for it, was able to get it out. And we got it in 1804. Very cool. I mean, you'll be in the middle of recording a video, like Michael said, and then all of a sudden my telegram will pop up and it's Michael asking me for help with his computer. Or right. It's of Martin course, Wim- that always happens. asking yeah. me to help him with a code problem. It's I, t- all I, t- I typically just ask up. Ryan, where's, where's the manual? Could you point to me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about awesome features, though, and you, you mentioned this slightly, but this one deserves a big deal. Here at this podcast, one of the things we, we constantly kind of, you know, wish would improve is Pulse Audio. It just... Because we have a bunch, and, and we are a unique use case. A lot of people just have a sound card in their computer, and then you know maybe they plug in a USB mic. But a lot of us have a lot of specialty audio equipment. There's a need for us to switch between external and internal hardware and all of this stuff. And Pulse Audio, depending on the distribution, the implementation of it, can be an absolute disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus, if you're trying to switch things on the fly, it can be a pain to try to go find some settings panel somewhere and pull up the Pulse Audio Manager and all of that, but you guys have done some work that really helps people who are working with audio, specifically adding in the plugin that allows you to be able to switch, like you mentioned, on the fly, your audio sources, which I've pretty much just used Jack in the background with the Pulse implementation over top, and it works beautiful because now I can switch if I want to share something with somebody to my external speakers or switch back to my microphones. Uh, different mics that I have, et cetera, all through a plugin on the panel. I don't have to leave it. I don't have to go into the main uh, settings. I just click an arrow over to the right, and it gives me a list of all of my audio equipment. I choose which one I want, and I'm off and going. So the question is, how did you guys decide that you wanted to do this type of enhancement with Pulse Audio? What kind of started off off on that was when Ubuntu announced that they were going to move back to GNOME. Um, because at that point, we realized, okay, indicators are probably not going to last much longer. Uh, they're not going to be supported very well. So we decided, okay, we need to replace, we need to start replacing these. And we had some XFCE options available. Um, there was the Pulse Audio plugin. I think there's a sound menu plugin. Yep. But neither of these were kind of like at the state we wanted them at. But the Pulse Audio plugin was at a good starting point. Um, so the first thing that we, you know, kind of set out to do is expand that out to be to have feature parity with, you know, the sound indicator, so that our users weren't losing anything. Um, so we worked on that for a while. We got that in there, had the first new release of that, and then we started just, you know, adding other features. Like, you know, we looked at Windows 10, KDE, GNOME, where they had, you know, these awesome audio switchers that we wanted for ourselves. So we added in to XFCE with the hope that we can make them as good or even better. I love it. I I think it looks absolutely beautiful. And I love that you guys go and look for inspiration in other projects. One of my favorite books is Steal Like an Artist. And it talks about that. Everybody's gotten inspiration throughout all the years from other people's work. So looking at what other people have done well and implementing something similar. But being able to switch your audio quickly is such a big deal, even though it seems like a small thing to some people maybe who don't use audio equipment. If you have a lot of audio equipment, it's a big deal. Right. Or like in my case, you know, I have a laptop, I bring it home, I plug it into my monitor, my, my speakers come out of the monitor or whatever. 
open up the pulse audio controls to try to find all that before it was always a bear and now I just come home, click, click, done, ready to go. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, nice. it's it's definitely something that I need. Um, so right now I'm running GNOME and I have to have an extension installed to you know, have that ability. But what is there any other programs like, well, not programs, is there any other indicators that you need to work on or fix in order, just like Pulse Audio, where you needed to, have, you know, indicators are going away, you need to, improve something is there any other things you're going to be working on um there's one other indicator that we might have to do something with or possibly drop which is the messages indicator so if you use uh, thunderbird if you use pigeon or various you know other messaging applications like that um, you'll have a little mail envelope in, in, in your panel uh, so click on that you'll see recent emails you'll see you know notifications or whatever um that's currently still using the indicator stack and we may have to swap that out or possibly drop it depending on you know where we're going with that I have that, you know, I have that indicator for the Thunderbird stuff, but personally, I don't use it that right. much. But if I was maybe more reliant on Thunderbird as my main mail client, I would. But uh, definitely, I'm sure people will give feedback on whether that's something they utilize a lot or not. And is that how you determine whether you would keep an applicator or a indicator like that is community feedback? Or do you guys just decide, look, we've looked into doing this, it's going to take way too long and we need to pull it? Yeah, so a lot of factors go into it. You know, we'll, we'll get feedback from the community pretty regularly. Um, and then, you know, just amongst the team, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at it. Well, you know, we still have Pigeon installed, but, you know, Google Hangouts is kind of starting to deprecate that. And, you know, Facebook mm -hmm. Messenger is deprecated. You can't access it because of that anymore. Um, so we're kind of looking at that and it's like, well, maybe this doesn't have much use for us anymore. Maybe Pigeon's not very useful for us anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so through a lot of discussion like that, we'll make that decision. And there's supposedly some people working on like a fork of the indicator stack. So like make a third party community indicator stack. Is right. there any, is, is, is that worth looking into as far as the Ubuntu is concerned XFC? Um, I think we do have support for it, um, with our new, uh, status notifier plugin. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the Ayatana in indicators and they've yeah. been working hard on it. I don't know if they've ported the messaging one yet. Okay. But yeah, there there is probably some safety in falling back on that. Yeah, I mean that, that's it seems as long as they continue to make the development is like on the pace that they are doing, it, it would be like it has, seems like it could have potential. But um, as far as like this, let's go back to the Ubuntu eighteen oh four release. What is what are your favorite features for this particular release? Um, definitely the uh, the notifications plugin and the Pulse Audio plugin. Since since having those, I think my life's become a lot easier. Um, <laughs> yeah um the other cool thing you know the, the first stable menu library release in years we finally got that out we've had a, a nice. lot of contributors helping with that move that along make it really stable our themes have been updated and refreshed and you know this you know every release they get incrementally better and everything's just feeling really nice and i guess the other thing that i like right now is that we're kind of up we're, we're synced up with debian now um so almost all of our packages you know we are contributing or we've you know, the, the updates are, are landing in Debian or we're pushing updates to Debian. They're syncing down. Very cool. So that benefits, you know, derivative projects like Zebian, for example. Yeah. So and, it's really cool that we're at this point. And also the the, the uh, having the, the Debian infrastructure packaging everything is also, I assume, is beneficial as well. Mm. I mean, you, you get more people using it and more people reporting bugs and more people fixing bugs. It's, it helps everybody. Yeah. Nice. Um, so that's like some of your favorite features, but 
what slipped through the net that you that you really had hoped to to get out in, in eighteen oh four? Because you've, as you said before, you're only a small team. You've only got an infinite amount of time. So, was there anything that you wished? I wish I'd been able to get that released. So, what's really awesome about eighteen oh four is that we were able to get out pretty much everything we wanted to land this cycle. Wow, um, that's we, we nice. Got all, we got all these new features. We got this new software update stack, um, and we. We, we have a clear path forward for a lot of the bugs that we've got, you know, reported recently. One thing that keeps kind of slipping through the cracks is, is getting Zubuntu Core to that more official status, like I mentioned earlier, um, our minimal install. We're hoping to get that done early this cycle so that we can finally put the checkbox on that and move forward. Well, what has to happen for that to be, to, for it to be more official? Like what is, what has to happen? So we have to patch um, Ubuntu's Debian Live CD branch. We have to patch their CD image branch. And we've always been able to do that much. We've always had difficulty at that point getting somebody to approve those patches and pull them in because those teams are often extremely busy or, you know, maybe our, our pings are, are slipping through the cracks or whatever. But we figure if we can get this done early, we can bug people long enough to get them in there right <laughs> well that's what you have to the do squeaky wheel gets the grease right yep. yeah exactly so we talked about when you were on our show it was about five months ago and again we're just shocked you came back shocked and happy uh, <laughs> that you came back but we received tons of great comments about xfce on that show if you go back and look the love that you got is just incredible but there was one comment in particular that stood out and it was from the peppermint os team and he said a lot of great things about you and the work that your team does over there. But the one thing that really stuck out, one of the lines was, XFCE is best described as the gift that keeps on giving, which I thought was just a tremendous compliment. <laughs> uh, did you ever think when you started this project that other developers were going to be using your work and loving this work the way that they have? So XFCE itself kind of predates my time as a Linux user and maybe my time on this earth, it's, it's a pretty old project. <laughs> right. Um, but the reason that I was originally even interested in it is because of how popular it was and, you know, how many distributions had it at the time and how each one of those distributions just ran really well and made my computers fly. So I've been a fan of it since then. And since, you know, joining up with Ubuntu and then going more upstream into XFCE, that's kind of what I've, you know, it's got to be awesome now, though, the work that you're doing on top of that, that it's con kind of continued that trend, right? Where it gets what got you involved in it and now other developers and, and people are picking it up. And I think it's it's awesome to get great feedback from community, you know, but a lot of us are not technical geeks. We don't understand all the ins and outs of different things. But when you get a compliment like that from a developer, it, it, it's got to mean something even. It's got to have a lot of weight to it, to you, you know? Yeah. And and it's not just uh you know peppermint's not just a specific XFCE distribution either it's like a variant of it so it's awesome mm -hmm. to see not just it's it's another distribution with XFCE on it but it's a variant where somebody took it and made it what they wanted it to be and it just keeps evolving so yeah it is pretty awesome mm -hmm. and, and and taking that question one step further one of the reasons why peppermint likes to or and can use components of XFCE is because of its modularity. Um, is that something that you decided, well, not you decided, but is that something that you, when you joined the project, you saw that modularity was there, you liked it, and how do you keep that going? How do you keep everything so, so you know, modular so that people can just 
cherry pick the bits they want from it. Right. So, yeah, so I, I saw this question in, in your guys' notes and I kind of looked into it a little bit. So XOCE, when it first started, it was just a taskbar. So you could say oh, wow. modular then because literally <laughs> everything else was not XFCE. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, that was one thing I really liked about it was that when I first got, started playing with it, you know, I got right click and just start customizing, remove things I didn't like, move things around, change the color of things despite, you know, going into the preferences. It was really yeah. neat. Um, and yeah. I just enjoyed that, that feature of it. And I think a lot of our developers and maintainers do too. Now, is that a, but is it a deliberate thing to keep it modular? Because I guess the uh, temptation would be to intertwine everything because mm -hmm. a lot of other DEs are intertwined where if, you know, one thing's not working, this one's not, this thing's not working. Um, is that, is that a deliberate thing that you have to continually watch to keep it modular? I think it just kind of happens naturally. Um, all of the maintainers are, who knows where, everybody's kind of, you know, spread across the earth, you know, they work for different companies or... You know, they're building a single purpose application that they bring back to the community. It becomes part of XFCE's, you know, community projects or whatever. And I, I think that's just the nature of the beast. When we don't have kind of a, a single governing body or anything, everybody's just building what they like. Right. So what you're saying is that in the next release, it's going to be locked to system D. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think I said that. No, not at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's not what I said. <laughs> so, um, so there's some other DEs I uh, have like, you know, they have release dates that they give, but they don't ever explain why they do the, way, the releases of the way they do. And there's really no like release model, but XFCE provides a release model. So could you explain the model to our listeners? Yeah. So if you go and read up the release model, it is a very, very large document, maybe overly verbose. Um, it could kind of be, uh, distilled down to so we've got stable versions at basically even you know uh, micro numbers so 410 412 414 development releases at you know 411 413 um and the development cycle just kind of opens up we look where everything is at that time you know most you know most current distributions like you know we'll look at debian stable or red hat you know or you know the various bsds and kind of get a baseline of where these software versions are supposed to be and we'll start building with that GTK minimum version, glib, and various libraries at that point. In the case of XFCE's sometimes long development cycle, we have regular check-ins to update that version because um, we can't seem to keep up sometimes. Yeah. Um, so we'll go through and you know we'll, we'll keep it, we'll keep things up to date. We'll we'll continually release new uh, versions of each component, each software piece as milestones for people to check out and start reporting bugs against and continue development from that point. And kind of all of that kind of works, works down until everybody's pretty confident that we're at a stable point in the cycle. Um, so we'll kind of set up a release date and we'll get an idea of, you know, who the release team is going to be. So we'll have a couple of release managers that are going to be doing all the software updates. We'll have a QA, you know, a couple of QA people that are going to be, you know, watching for new bugs that come in. We'll have people that are updating the website. And on release day, you know, we just go crazy. We start pushing out all these updates. We make the announcements and everybody remembers XFCE is alive and that it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I can't imagine how crazy it is for you that week, man. It's got to be insane. Yeah. So the last one, when we released 412, that day, I think we're just like, yep, let's do it. And we just 
started releasing every version. I'm like, hey, you know, I've got a couple updates over here. I'm going to push out some new software versions of this too. Why not? Um, <laughs> it was a mess, but it was fun. <laughs> Um, so going back to your your uh, release model, you've started this document and you've just said it's it's rather large and verbose. So mm-hmm. how much time do you devote to that part of of the distribution? Do you do you see that as a key part so that everybody knows what's going on, or is it just a document to keep all of your minds in the right in the right place? How much time does it take to maintain that sort of? I think the main the main reason for the release document is that our developers kind of come and go. So we wanted to get everything documented so that at the point that we're ready to release a new version, we can go back, make sure we're not missing anything, and make sure that we you know do the release right effectively. So it's more of a, more of guidelines for for us or whoever's the team at the time. I mean, this this release model I think is really important. Like Michael said, a lot of people do not have a lot of distros and desktop environments, the amount of detail that you have on your page for this. And I'm sure that some of it comes from the longer release cycles and constantly getting that question. But to me, it's such an, it's such an important model because with XFCE, uh, I don't have situations that you have in a lot of environments where they're constantly pushing updates. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I can't even get into my desktop environment now because they pushed this new update and it's cutting edge and now I can't even log in. The login manager is broken or this feature is broken or that. With XFCE, you know, when I came back to it, it everything was exactly as I remembered. Everything worked the way it was supposed to. There weren't features that were just ripped out that I was like, oh my gosh, where is this? The things there work and they're, they're, they work as you expect. And that to me is one of the foundational reasons why I love XFCE so much because it is stable. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about going in there and you've pushed some new release because the code looks cool and now my stuff's broken, you right. know? And, and so I think that methodical approach to a release model is super important. Um, but one of the things that you guys also did really well is uh, while I was out there seeing if the grass was greener, I was playing with tiling managers and when I came back to Zubuntu, when you guys did the new release, I started playing with uh, XFWM4 Window Manager, which has some incredibly powerful tiling capabilities in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's actually one of, in my opinion, one of the better, of course, Rock will call me a fanboy again, but it's one of the better implementations of window tiling within within a desktop environment because a lot of them have the shortcut keys and stuff. They're either very difficult to get to. You can't set the right ones easily enough, but I'm tiling right now and it just works very, very well. It's very easy to control, very familiar. But one of the things that's missing, or at least maybe I should read the manual that I didn't see was there was monitor, monitor (laughs) switch. If I get told RTFM by Sean, that'll be every developer. I think. Uh, but it was the monitor switching ability. Now there's a script out there uh, that'll allow you to set up the monitor switching pretty easily. And I was just wondering, is that something you guys have in there? I missed if you don't, is it a feature you guys could add by just simply incorporating the code from that script? So, yeah. So right now we don't have any monitor switching, um, but we actually um, have a developer that's working on this right now. Yes. Or something similar to it at least. So currently right so if you've got the key bindings that are default in Ubuntu, you can press Windows key left and right to tile left and right. Um, and one of our developers is working on making that kind of semi-intelligent with monitors. 
So if you do, nice. so if you're on monitor one and you got two monitors t- side by side and you go Windows key right a couple times, it'll tile left and then to the right of monitor one, then the left of monitor two, and then the right of monitor two, nice. um, which is half of what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it's probably not too far for us to actually go the next step and just make it to where we can tile you know, or move windows between monitors easily. It's brilliant. It's just one of those features that from the the window tiling world became so useful because certain things like games, for instance, they'll launch, you know, they'll Steam will have them launch in some weird window randomly and you can just literally move it in a second or in the case of doing a screen recording and I want to bring over, you know, a Firefox browser or whatever while I'm doing a video that I'm shooting, being able to just cycle a window in between the monitors or move it out of the way. It's just, it's one of those features that doesn't sound like a big deal, but once you have it, it's incredible. And I love yeah. that you guys are working on it. That is so cool. That's actually a good point about not having, not having something that you, you would think it's important, but when you do get it, it's fantastic. And that reminds me of the thing we were talking about earlier of menu libre that you mentioned and i as as far as as far as ryan is a fanboy of xfce (laughs) and subuntu i'm a fanboy of menu libre sweet and (laughs) like when i first found menu libre i like the only thing i ever had seen before that's similar was a la carte and in comparison it's 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 just it's so far beyond a la carte it's just it's it's amazing when i when i first found it and then i found that kde had their own competitor that was K Menu Edit, and when I when I first used Menu Libre on Plasma, I was disappointed that it didn't work in Plasma, and now I'm incredibly happy that now you can use uh, you can use Menu Libre in Plasma and LXQt and things like that, mm-hmm. because it, even though I'm a Plasma fanboy as well, I think Menu Libre is like easily the best menu editor available, and like so first, thank you for making it. <laughs> and and second, uh, the, the the latest step, the, the latest release has a lot of cool things that I find really you know really useful for like the the testing the launchers that before you have to like you have to save it and then lose the previous version on you know like other editors and now with Menu Libre you can just set it up test it and then if it does work like you want it then you can save it so how much effort is put into Menu Libre that that and also could you take us back to like what inspired you to make it um i guess i'll start where it started so um the first version of menu libre was actually part of the 2012 ubuntu app showdown um i think oh, i was really? trying to win a nokia n9 um i didn't win which is <laughs> nice but but you it should was have really popular um it got a lot of coverage uh, various podcasts and stuff and uh, it was kind of designed to kind of mimic the way Unity's uh, application overlay was set up and the way that Gnome Shell's application overlay is now um, back in the first version. It doesn't represent that anymore because now it's just kind of more general for menu editing. So you yeah. can use anywhere and it just works. It's really interesting that it was a part of the showdown because that means that it's that's one of the only two applications from the showdown that still exists and neither one of them won anything. And they're actually the they're actually like by far the better options because the ones that won were one was like a jigsaw puzzle game. Like yeah. what? Who decided these winners? <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know what, Sean? We're gonna write this wrong. If you send me a PO box, I'm gonna ship you a Nokia in nine. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, I just used Pleasure. Menu Libre the other day to um, add my Caden Live app image 
icons to this to the menu for in Gnome Gnome. And uh, any of the other app images that I have that I want a menu for or I want a launcher for, I'll use Menu Libre to add it in. So yep. it's pretty awesome. I'm a big fan of Menu Libre. Like just when I first found it, when I first found it and it had a search functionality, I was like, why doesn't they all have this? This is fantastic. <laughs> it's one of those things too, where I, when I've messed with certain window managers where the task is to create your own menus and stuff, you realize how bad, well, I realized how bad I am at creating my own menus. <laughs> I'm glad you by clarified the time, that. <laughs> by the time I was done, I was like, I would never use this crappy menu I just made. But Menu Libre makes it so easy to customize without screwing it up, which is so appreciated uh, that you can add things in there and, uh, you know, not end up uh, trying my own version, which is always horrendous. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So obviously Michael was is a big fan of uh, Menu Libre, um, and, and I'm actually a big fan of another one of your um, projects that you look after, and that's Catfish. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I struggled with when I came over um, from Windows was a, a single point of entry where I could search multiple disk drives and find either duplicates or the application I want. And then there was this light bulb moment, hey, what's all this Catfish that they're talking about? I installed it and I've never looked back since because it's it's the same thing. You open up an application, you tell it the name of the thing you want to search for, you tell it where to look, and it's really, really quick. So um, thank you for, for producing something that, that, that works so well. Um, and you've just, I think, back in January, released 1.4.4. What were some of the exciting features of that for you? What were you pleased to sort of like nail so one really cool thing with Catfish and, and Menu Libre now as well is that I finally got them to a point to where I think they're stable from a feature perspective. Um, there's nothing else I'm planning to add there. So the big thing for Catfish for this release was the fact that you know I was able to boost the performance a bit and make it a little bit more reliable and stable. And I, I like the fact that it runs faster than it ever has before um, mm. and that it finds things faster and that if you don't want it to, to continue searching for things, you can finally kill it faster now too. Right. What yeah, a novel that, idea to have it run and be stable. Right? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy talk. Well, Zeb, when we were talking about this, you reminded me back in the Windows days when you would go and try to do a file search, and then 10 years later, yes. whenever you were talking about this, you would get a result compared to Catfish, where it's near instantaneous, right? I mean, it's just so fast, so well done. Um, you know, we talked about convergence in a prior episode uh, that you were on and where things were going with convergence. Has there been any work since that time or thought from, from your team's standpoint on bringing Zubuntu to a mobile platform or tablet and how it would work on that, those type of forms? Right now, um, no. Um, so I don't know if you've seen the news lately that a lot of the Ubuntu flavors are thinking about dropping i386 support. Yep. I don't think we're planning on adding any additional form factors or architectures or anything like that at this time. But I don't know if you've also seen the recent news with the Librem phone. Now they're going to be having uh, KDE, GNOME, and uh, Ubi ports available. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So maybe XFCE could be next on their list since they keep expanding their offerings. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That'd we got to cool. get that connected. <laughs> awesome. Talk to, talk to your people, Ryan. I will. I'm going to get with them right away. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean. So you sit down and say you want to do a new install. Okay. 
after a new install, what are some of the programs that you must have to install on your computer to run? Um, first off, I got to have uh, Deja Dupe. I use that for my backups after I've given up on Dropbox and Spider Oak and everything else um, <laughs> from various issues with them. Uh, Deja Dupe just works usually. Um, when it does, it's great. When it doesn't, there's usually a fix around the corner. So that's good. Other than that, um, I use GIMP for all of my image editing. Um, I use DevHelp to quickly, you know, dig, dig through API docs so I can, you know, develop the apps faster. Glade for working on the front end of, of you know, Catfish, Manulibre, all the graphical apps. Geary, I like as my advanced editor. That's not quite my code editor. Um, it's got a lot of features in it. It's really stable. It works, works great. Mm-hmm. And uh, Visual, Co- Visual Studio Code is my main code editor. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've ever used it, but it's no, really yeah. popular in the Python community, and that's kind of where I got into it at. Right. So, what what do you think is better? Like, it's good about Visual Studio Code versus something like Atom that's very similar. So, I also really like Atom, but I don't like that if I leave my computer up on Atom and I walk away for two hours, I come back and then Atom's not responsive, and neither is the rest of my computer just because oh, it's run wow. out of control. Um, <laughs> That's a good reason not to use it. Yeah, I'll say. <laughs> Questionable Electron stuff? I don't know. Visual Studio Code's fast. It feels like a native app, and it works really well, and it's got tons of plugins, and I'm a huge fan. Nice. Well, you mentioned uh, Spider Oak, and I recently uh, purchased Spider Oak. So mm-hmm. what were the problems that you were having with it so I know? <laughs> um, mainly, I just had weird issues with, like, with the way it would show up in the indicator and stuff and the application. I mean, as far as the backup solution, it works great. Um, it's a little bit pricey and Deja Dupe, I can just host on my local stuff. Right. Um, other than that, it, it's fine. It's just didn't suit my needs the way I needed it to. All right. So the last time we talked, you mentioned that you were not a distro hopper, but you did hop around on themes and you mentioned themes earlier. So rock was so happy. I love themes, dude. I love <laughs> things out. So what are the themes you're running right now or the theme you're running right now? And is there a favorite that you have? So I keep jumping back forth. Um, as always, <laughs> of course. I'm using Greybird again, because Greybird is like the most compatible theme there is. It, it looks good with everything. And, between GTK2 and GTK3 apps, you can't tell a difference, so it gets confusing sometimes whether I'm using the development or stable versions. <laughs> um, I'm starting to not like Numix as much. I don't know. I, I think it's just the, the warm color tones just kind of aren't doing it for me. And I'm still a huge fan of the Arc themes, um, especially at night because Arc Dark just makes everything nice and not blinding. Yep. So, you know, we talked about people being inspired by the work that the team does over there with Zubuntu and XFCE and other developers using it. But just curious, who are some people in the Linux community whose work you find inspiring? So I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but I think Microsoft's uh, Visual Studio Code team has been doing a fantastic job. Um, they've been pushing out regular updates. They, they give you top-notch Linux support. I'm assuming it's great on Windows and Mac as well, but I haven't tried it. But, you know, the, you get an announcement that there's a software update and it's immediately available in their Debian repositories. Like, they, they care about Linux as far as I can tell, or at least that team does. Um, so yeah, I, that's, that's... I have to give them huge props for that. 
Um, yeah, I can, I can, I can probably agree with you about that team. Probably does. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, um, I have to give a huge shout out to basically all the teams behind the Ubuntu flavors right now. Um, I think they've all been working hard. They've been doing their best work. I think 1804 for every single one of the of the options is fantastic. And there's yeah. starting to be a lot more regular communication between each of the flavors. So mm-hmm. I think yeah. the end result there is all the software gets better. I was wondering, do you think if you ch- if the, the change for the, the proposal to remove the betas, like the first beta and the alphas and stuff like that, to, that would make it even more uh, possible for you to talk about the communication between the flavors with that is, do you think that's going to be a beneficial to, to Zubuntu and also like the collaboration? I think so because the, the, the second part of that is they're, they're starting to expand, you know, the kind of their outlook for options with automating testing and using, you know, the various, you know, QA automation tools. Um, Cause right now it's, it's a struggle to even get testers to join in on pre betas and sometimes even on the betas. So yeah, we will do a lot of work to get that milestone ready to go. And then it's just the people on the team testing it. And I'm sure that Zubuntu is not the only one that suffers from this currently. Yeah. There's also, there's a lot of people who say that it's not, it's not, you know, people say avoid the alphas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. just removing that part might be even beneficial. Right. And you know, Ubuntu has not been doing anything but the final beta for several releases now. So yeah. it, it's, it's not unheard of at this point. Um, so, there's a, a, a two-point question coming up now um, with regard to developers and, and, and collaboration. So who, who are some of the, the, the developers that you've been collaborating with recently? Um, and is there anyone in particular that you'd like to collaborate with in the future? So, so for this cycle where we started using some of the Mate applications, um, I got to work with Wimpy, uh, Martin Wimpress. I'm sorry. Cool. That's terrible. Wow, Brian. <laughs> that is so wrong, dude. Just because he's RTFM'd you doesn't mean... Just because mean... I'm in his release notes. <laughs> oh, you're in more than that. More than that. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, we forgot to mention done. that. Anyway, sure. go ahead, Sean. <laughs> but, I mean, he, he was really responsive. He was really helpful. Um, it's awesome. We, we submitted submitted some pa- some patches for their packaging, and he got them rolled in, and... Uh, he, he just gave us a, hu- a huge amount of support for getting those ma- Mate applications into uh, Zubuntu. So definitely uh, props out to him. Mm-hmm. Nice. The second part of that, um, for who I would like to start working with, I would like to start collaborating more with some of Zubuntu's derivatives, um, like Gallium, you know, the one for the, the Chromebooks, uh, yeah. Linux Lite, which seems to be getting more popular and it's using Zubuntu as a base. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of our distant cousins, like the Fedora XFCE spin. I, I feel like a lot of us are working towards the same goals. And I think that if we worked, spent more time working together, we can get a lot more done with your resources. Nice. Very cool. So kind of off topic, um, Cosmic Cuttlefish? I mean, yeah. really? <laughs> you know, Cuttlefish, they, they seem like cool animals i mean i looked into them a little bit um they're not capybaras which are really cool animals that would have been so much better yeah now i'm disappointed a cosmic cuttlefish i could see that being drawn like a spaceship that could be cool (laughs) so Um, so look if if mark shuttleworth (laughs) called sean davis up on the phone and five minutes before they were going to release this announcement what would sean davis say the next cosmic version should be called. 
I, I would have said Capybara. Like that. Yeah. Like I don't know if they've just if there's like a team promoting Capybaras lately, but I see them on my Facebook. <laughs> I see them. I don't know. I, I saw on Reddit too. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, <laughs> so that would have been what I pushed. Um, yeah. I, I might say that the artist could draw cosmic cuttlefish like a Mega Man X boss because that would. Oh yeah, blue that saber. That'd be perfect. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Huh? <laughs> You could and like the and they could even do it where since the cuttlefish can change its colors and transparency and stuff like that, they could have it like different colored shirts this time. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be all right. <laughs> so, I, su- I suppose there's there's some bright side to um, this. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I, I I can. Anyway, so. <laughs> So just curious, as far as like Zubuntu and XFC is coming in, there's, you know, we're, you know, a couple of us are really into gaming. Maybe. Um, a little bit. Well, I, for me, it's a game, but still. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a game. <laughs> it's a game. Um, so is there any particular work that is going into the gaming performance for XFCE or in Zubuntu specifically? And when do you think that Zubuntu will reign supreme like like Ryan likes to cl- claim all the time. So it does reign I mean, supreme. I was clocking at I was clocking over 140 frames per second in ballistic overkill in Ubuntu. Man, I got I it mean, to 110, and that's probably that's the highest I've got for my computer to do. I typically do it 90 for its res- res- resources, but um, you know, it is. I agree that it is 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 pretty high up in there. So what what do you think, John? I don't I don't think Ryan's wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow the first person that's, that's ever said that first developer <laughs> um we don't uh xfce and Ubuntu. neither of them have any game specific patches but i keep i do keep an eye on pharonics when they put out the regular you know benchmarks and comparisons for the desktops xfce is never the top there it's also never the bottom i i think we could probably do better um but it is really performant and really good for gaming so here's the thing that's happened, Sean, and we got we got to work this out because I know you you got what it takes here. They they challenged me in my Zubuntu video to go out and test, do a frame per second battle, which I did against Windows, uh, but they want the frame per second battle to be all the XFCE based distros. Okay. Make sure Zubuntu wins. I'm not above cheating. Then <laughs> <laughs> we can we can skyrocket the frames per second. I'm all on board here. Well, uh, Feral Interactive, the guys that have been porting like the AAA games to Linux, like Tomb Raider and various things, um, recently released a new game mode tool, which can automatically optimize your settings prior to loading a game. Nice. So would you maybe just install that on Zubuntu first? Yeah, we'll just use that on Zubuntu. The other ones we don't use. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Not that it would be lopsided or anything. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned Mega Man. And obviously you have your blue saber handle. So you, you play some games. So the last time we talked, you were playing Witcher three. So what guy, what games have you been playing lately and why is it not rocket league? (laughs) (laughs) So I've been spending a lot of time playing the new monster hunter game that came out a couple months ago. Um, It's really easy to spend a lot of time playing that game. There's something fun about, battling fire-breathing T-Rexes and overly aggressive dragons with not nearly as big weapons and winning. Yep. It's cool. <laughs> that reminds um, me, I've been playing the God of War 4 and it's the same kind of, you yeah. know, the giant monstrous bosses. Of, it's just so awesome. 
awesome. Wait, they, they're not like, you know, Minecraft graphics, are they? Not God of War 4, not even close. Monster Hunter is fantastic graphics as well. That, Ryan has a tendency to play games that are like, you know, pixelated. Because I'm actually a real gamer. Pixelated like, you know, like this big. So. Yeah. It's a cosmic uh, game of Festo. They're like, no, yeah. the only real games is you strap a rocket to a car and drive around and bounce into a ball. That's a video game. <laughs> Wait, you, you're well, acting like you're, you're saying it sarcastically, but you're correct. So I'm not. I'm, I'm not <laughs> uh. What matters is the mechanics and yeah. making cars hit giant soccer balls and do all crazy spins and whatnot. Th- those are okay mechanics. So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. They just need so to expand their, uh, I think, their palette. A I little think bit. what he just said is Ryan wasn't wrong, but he also said that me and Michael were not wrong in his comment. Yeah, he, he hasn't spent enough time with you two. I, I'm not going to disagree with everybody. I may agree with each of you at times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do know that three of you have favorite software of mine. Rocco, what's your favorite software of mine? Nice. Favorite software of XFCE. Well, I'll tell you what, it's becoming going to become my favorite software is the Pulse Audio plugin. I can tell you that because (laughs) that's something that I got to have, dude. And, you know, I'm going to tell you a little story. So I installed Zubuntu 18.04 the other day and I started playing with it and I went into Pulse Audio and it was great. And then somebody had said about Kubuntu. So I installed Kubuntu on another drive and you know the Kubuntu install uh, took away my grub entry for Zubuntu, and now I got to reinstall Zubuntu. <sighs> it's enough to so drive me nuts. So you said the teams are collaborating, but the Kubuntu team is clearly trying to sabotage. <laughs> clearly, wow. clearly so trying to you, sabotage. I'm on it. Team Davis. I will get a sword and shield, and we will go to war. <laughs> so, a Pulse Audio plugin is definitely going to become my favorite. Cool. Glad to hear. Well, to bring everybody back down to earth, because. I'm not a gamer. Um, you also mentioned in episode 45 that the development of a team for XFCE isn't large um, and that no one's actually getting paid to work full time uh, on, the, on, on the project. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that we at Destination Linux are trying really hard to do is to raise people's awareness of the amount of work you guys do for little or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are the sort of things that we, the users, can do to, to ease your burden and to, and to make your life easier? And how can, how can we support XFCE today for you? The big thing any, any person can do is testing. You know, if you, if you want to drop in there, run some tests, you know, report some bugs. If anything's not working the way you expect, um, that's always the biggest boost. If you speak a language other than English, we're always welcome to translations. Um, XFCE is very international and Ubuntu not quite as much, but the, the more contributions you get, the better we can do. Nice. Brian uh, will also translate it into sarcasm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, you know, financially needs to be mentioned too. And there is a lot of ways that you could... We talked about just last week, three distros that are no longer exist because the developers had to basically move on with their lives. They had to go get other jobs and other things and could no longer support it. So I think it is important to mention, do the, you know, the bug testing, all of that type of stuff, but also financially looking at ways to support these distros to show the appreciation for the work 
and to make sure they stay around because you've got a full-time job on top of this. It's not what you do full-time and that's that type of stuff needs to, you know, we need to show support financially for these to keep them around. Yeah. It all goes back to if you use something and you appreciate something, show that appreciation. Sure. Uh, there's no mo- monetary cost for Linux programs, but there is a lot of cost and time and effort put into these. So if you use it and you appreciate it, you should help out. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so the options we have available for that. So XFCE has got a bounty source account where uh, folks can go on there. They can see bugs that have been reported and they can basically throw money at them so that some developer might be able to pick that up, work on it, fix it, get it in there, get it out to users and get paid for it. Um, we have a lot of, we have several bugs that have actually been that have paid out for this. And we've got a lot of things that have been fixed uh, through this method and it's, you know, helping out these developers. Zubuntu's got a couple of different options where you can donate money to Canonical for community projects and Zubuntu is able to pull from that pool. Um, we also receive a portion of the sales for products sold on uh, Unix stickers and on HelloTux for our teas. And I know that you guys, you know, brought this up last time too. And you mentioned that, you know, I should also have a way to receive donations. So I actually opened up a Patreon myself. Um, nice. Nice. And I saw that Ryan had sent me something or somebody logged into his yep. account and sent me something, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is very appreciated. So, yeah. Well, he you uses no the password idea. monkey one everywhere. So I don't doubt somebody <laughs> logged no in. Idea, Sean, they go, when I wrote this document, uh, was writing the questions for the document when <laughs> we were doing the pre-show review, they're like, Oh my gosh, clearly this was a labor of love because everything is, you have the most amazing, it is the greatest menu, it is the best. Wait, how do you, how do you uh, react to all of this masterful work that you're doing? I mean, like, it was like so fanboyism. I'm a fanboy. I'm not afraid to admit it. I mean, it's, it's, if it's good, it's, it's okay to, it's okay to have to be a fanboy about something. Uh, but earlier in the sh- in the show, you were saying something about the the 32 bit aspects of the 32 ISOs potentially not being uh, included in 1810 by some flavors. Mm-hmm. Has Ubuntu decided whether or not they're going to be participating in the, in the you know continuing or removing the 32 bit ISOs? Um, we have not yet. Um, we have it set up for whenever we have our next meeting to discuss. Uh, we also are in communication now regularly with the other flavors, and it's very likely that. If we are the last ones supporting it, we may drop it as well, just because we don't want to carry the burden of all 32-bit on our backs. Makes sense. Yep. So with Ubuntu 18.04 behind you now, you clearly have all kinds of free time. Uh, you're probably <laughs> relaxing. All the bugs are fixed. I think everything's 100%. Uh, but seriously, what have you? What are you working on now? What are you guys preparing for? I think right now we're... Uh, planning several different things. So number one for XFCE, they're, they're about to do a major infrastructure upgrade. We're going to have, um, we're going to have a new host. We're going to have a new, new uh, get software. We're going to have new um, bug, bug reporting software. So that's gearing nice. up to be a big deal for XFCE and big steps forward there for Zubuntu right now. One of the things we're trying to get done early is we're moving all of our bizarre branches to get um, just because things generally have, a better integration with Git. There's more tools for it. Um, it's just more widely respected version control software. So yeah, and Launchpad uh, supports Git now anyway. So yeah. Um, so with that, um, after I guess after that, the the idea for this cycle is fix bugs, 
get as many bugs as we can fixed, you know, get these fixes back into 18.04. We want to continue to make 18.04 a more solid release um, because we know a lot of derivatives use that. A lot of a lot of users depend on it. A lot of users will only use LTS releases. So we want to make sure that they have the best possible option. Cool. Very nice. Well, Sean, it's been an awesome conversation and we want to thank you personally for all the effort and work that you put into it because it's very much appreciated. Thank you. And thank you for coming back on the show. Maybe we'll have you back again if you decide you want to go through this again. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fun. I enjoy it. You guys can bring me on anytime. Nice. Well, I I certainly hope so because although um, Dusk Geek might be the loudest fanboy you've got, (laughs) um, I do an awful lot um, of distro hopping and I always choose the XFCE version because I know I can work with it. So it's one part of the hop that I haven't yep. got to worry about. So whether I go Fedora or Calculate or Debian, mm-hmm. anything, I always make sure that they've got that XFCE um, desktop because it is just so easy to use and it just works. So yep. silent fanboy. Yeah, Zeb's a closet <laughs> fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We want to thank each and every one of you for listening, watching, supporting, however way you do it. Uh, Everything is much appreciated. And we will see you next week with another exciting interview. But until then, everybody have a great week. And remember, the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Destination Linux Podcast. What's happening? You actually came back. It wasn't a fake Sean Davis. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Blink twice if it's against your will. If it's against you. <laughs> You've got notes? Okay. Yeah. Being prepared? What is that? It's <laughs> ridiculous. I mean. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Am I recording? Yeah. Three words in, really? Dude, it was only two. No, that was three. Am I recording? Yeah, that's yeah. three. <laughs> <laughs> Math skills are incredible. <sighs> Hello. Hi, I'm Ryan. People pick on me and it makes me no, sad. No, he, he's he's exaggerating. They they just pick Hi, on him. I'm Zeb and I pick on Ryan. It <laughs> See, I okay. told you. I agree, Zeb. Never mind. Never mind. Bully. <laughs> that Rock that band logo. spookily a Ryanism you just did there. What's that? What's a Ryanism, Zeb? Asking That's some you... other new insult you've come up for me? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Man. You don't have to talk to us if you don't want to dream. You guys are a lot of fun to watch. Thank you. Making fun of Ryan is pretty fun to watch. Wait a minute. What is happening? (laughs) That's it's a very seamless transition into. Yep. Oh my gosh. Deep in the Linux jungle, the silver blue podcaster is testing to make sure the pixels are properly aligned. What are we playing? Watch him. Watch him (laughs) as he explores his new surroundings. Really, Michael?
<laughs> yeah, I mean, why would you have trusted Michael's opinion anyways? Uh, you're right. No, he does things weird. He's the type of guy that would go to a gym and run backwards on a treadmill. Just because. <laughs> well, there's, there's probably a good reason for that, right? <laughs> right. He would have some reason he's made up for, but he would be the only one running on it backwards, you know. But in fairness, he... I actually running. have done that. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, did I call it or what? His audio, and at the bottom, there's a little tick box that says automatically adjust microphone. That needs to be off. Otherwise, what Zoom does is it will turn your mic volume up and down, up and down, as and when you do or don't speak. <laughs> did that mic scare you there, Michael? All right. Yeah. Yeah, you think a spider was attacking off, you? Or no, I just hit me. I hit my glasses. <laughs> Freaked me out a little bit. Great oh job, Michael. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the best. I'm I'm the I'm the most polite player ever. Like I just I just help everyone and, right. and don't. Right. Like, yeah. I it's it's well, I actually uh, probably shouldn't play. <laughs> yeah. Michael would be like, "Don, the key is take your controller and put it on your head." This is how I do it, and that's, you just play so much better. That's, this way. That that is totally completely accurate, and um, <laughs> you play off your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, in between when you're getting told in chat, die noob, it's wonderful. <laughs> and I think it, and I played it four times, and it's like 28 minutes all told, and I've hit the ball three times. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm driving around. I'm really good at the driving. I just can't hit the ball. <laughs> Zeb, someone, uh, Paul in the Telegram group recommended a game called Minute, M-I-N-I-T, Minute. And I want you to take a look at those graphics. I linked it for you because you're going to fall in love. I'll dude. get to it in a minute, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, those graphics are just amazing. They look like, you know, like asteroids from oh, years wow. ago. That's awesome. But see, I would play this game because look at the ratings on it. Very huh. 256, Go very figure. positive. You would play this game. Right. And I'm going to put a frame per second monitor on it. While my 1080 is running this this game, why do you even have a 1080 if you're going to run games like this? I mean, I you could run this on you could run this on you know the graphic from the you processor. Could, you could get the Atari VCS from the 80s, yes, and probably play this. <laughs> I bet you I could get 3,000 frames per second. The game that I first bought on the BBC Micro called Elite is better than that, and this and, and Elite. It's a single line drawing game. It's just come on. I mean, that just proves to me there's 256 very sad people on stream. Sorry, <laughs> it's only eight hundred or eight dollars and ninety nine cents, or what is that? Ten squids. I can yeah, but I can get two two cheeseburgers for that, and I and I. <laughs> <laughs> and I would get more lasting enjoyment than out of him. You're so, lucky I don't have a good memories ever. I'd bring back all of them words you said in, earlier in the pre-show. <laughs> about the English euphemisms. Oh my gosh, you guys just make words up. No, this is, yeah, this was the one you guys made up a new word. Yeah. And then called it proper King English or whatever you call it. Queen's language. It was just like, huh, huh, huh. you just said something yeah. oh it was something for michael's hair that's what it was oh it was like a hairdresser coiffeur <laughs> yeah, yeah coiffeur yeah i just made Don't up a new word english word that's just no it's not a french word you guys so, make this stuff up whatever i'm cosmopolitan what can i say mm. <laughs> uh yeah some you of them battlefield. Are. battlefield one do you yeah or is that gone 
Oh, well, I should say, I should make a statement that I used to play Battlefield 1. Oh, that's right. You overwrote your whole I didn't overwrite anything. I just lost it. It just went away. It wasn't my fault at all. He's got posters up on the telephone poles outside looking for his... Sean, I actually installed Zubuntu. And when I installed it on my drive, I have two 500 gig drives. And one of them was my Origin PC game library, and the other one was a drive I was going to install Ubuntu on. And I just slightly picked the wrong one to install Ubuntu <laughs> on. And when I went to play Battlefield, it wasn't even installed anymore. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I <laughs> my whole Origin PC game library. <laughs> It would be awesome if Sean would write in the installer. Uh, Rocco, please make sure you don't select your origin drive yeah. for everybody to see <laughs> Or in the or in the notes. In the notes. In the <laughs> Ryan wouldn't read them under that. Hey, so what? <laughs> yeah. They're overrated. Mm -hmm. so I actually only use TechGo. We need to have a CSGO competition between all we of totally them. should because yeah, i'm yeah. awful at that and that would be yeah. that would be much more uh yeah. well i mean rocco's is is one of those uh hustlers so I'm, yeah. not i'm terrible at it yeah right <laughs> the sleeper he's so like oh i'm so bad at this game what are the controls ryan meanwhile half the other team's dead and i'm like what how do you how do you about? buy games uh snipe shot dead um, yeah <laughs> I just and needed a refresher course. Right, I'm following all. him in the maps. I've been playing it for three weeks. He's like, oh, I haven't booted into this in years. And he's running around, <laughs> knows all the map locations. I'm like, you liar. He starts calling out different sections. Oh, he's on, he's on the he's on the box. Like, what what box? And then I knew something was wrong when he's like, want to put $100 in who is the highest score? <laughs> American Truck Simulator or Euro Truck. And I don't play it the correct way i stick half a million horsepower engines in and go down the motorway at 300 miles an hour but i haven't got it yet i haven't beat english Bob, so that's <laughs> he's you just gotta call shenanigans on yeah maybe english bob's cheating do you ever think about that hacks well what we should try and do is do it on multiplayer mode so that we're going side by side and then i can do the tiller you know sort of <laughs> knock him off the knock him off the track then that'll, then that'll be cool you nice. want to take you want to take English Bob out. Battle trucks. That's, That's why you're so passive-aggressive, Deb. You say it so nicely, but what you're really talking about is wrecking him off a cliff. Yeah, that's what he's really talking about. <laughs> you're very violent. Virtually. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, here comes the no, Louisville slugger. Why is it painted red? So you can see it coming. I don't watch off the bloodstain, sorry. <laughs> That was the last podcast presenter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'd watch what you say, Ryan. He's here. I know. The aggression is incredible. Everyone but thinks he's so nice, too. They don't see this behind-the-scenes stuff. Hmm. So, You're going to um, be giving a talk at this itself, Michael, right? About I am. Mate, how lightweight it is? Uh, absolutely. That is, that is, I'm going to sneak that in. I'm going to say this is, how, this is how lightweight that Mate is, and I found it in the manual. And That's uh, the reading manual for Mate right there. It's Mate for Dummies, the light edition. I don't remember at all the first time I used anything because I didn't take any notes and it was over almost two decades Michael, ago. Michael, there's so. a tail wagging behind your head. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. She's uh, trying to get my attention. And also, like, 
demolish everything in the room. And Sean's cat's probably had a heart attack by now, <laughs> being locked um, up. <laughs> every few minutes, I hear bang, bang, bang as she's like trying to break down the door. <laughs> and the way cats are is they won't forgive that, so you're going to have stuff knocked off your desk and everything oh, yeah. else. There will be vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> there will be vengeance. There will be blood. Thank <laughs> you.